We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back for the exciting season finale of the inaugural season of 709 Meridian with the original. We made it to the top, folks. We're doing the original Halloween and uh, we're excited. (laughs) This is the cream of the crop, the gold (laughs) standard, best of the best, John Carpenter's original. Um, And by the way, I'm D. This is Andrew. Hello. And we are 709 Meridian. We are at 709 Meridian. <laughs> um, and I'm just hyped. I'm hyped. Can you uh, tell? <laughs> okay. So before we get going with commentary, some, pre, some pre-movie some uh, show business as it is, um, we're going to start releasing non-synced versions at the same time. So those will be uh, in the podcast feed. They'll be on YouTube. And they'll have a little bit different art and text, so you know the difference. But those are not going to remain synced with the movie at all. We're going to take out all the, uh, the dead all air, dead air where I'm sitting watching, thinking to myself, "What the fuck are we doing watching Halloween six six six? Right? Like, <laughs> I thought I promised I'd never watch another Joe Chappelle movie, right? Like, somebody's got to pay me <laughs> to watch Phantoms, so." <laughs> that kind of thing so we're gonna do that and then um we've got next season's uh subject planned but let's wait until we'll, we'll tease that at the very end well it'll be our uh darth vader breathing and um there you go yeah yeah what else i think that's that's all my uh news or oh show we're business. also gonna we've got our uh definitive listing yes so Who? We are going to stick with the uh, we're, we're going to do a, a nice wrap up and we're going to normalize doing the post show wrap up that. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing in the podcast feed. The podcasts are going to have chapters. Last episode had chapters. YouTube might have chapters if I can figure out how to do it. And then so, yeah, post show, we're going to stick to talking more since we're going to be having chapters and be able to truncate or be able to speed up the main uh, body of the episode and that sort of thing. So we're going to normalize that whole post-show trivia um, banter thing that we did with, of course, (laughs) since it's our last episode, the definitive list, countdown list, worst to best. That's right. And uh, we reiterate worst to best Yeah, because I believe there are some folks that got a little confused. (laughs) (sighs) And um, yeah. Well, the official list wasn't out yet, so not, not, it'll be out. Well, the list wasn't out yet, but we also did reiterate a couple of times that we were going from worst to best. <laughs> yes. So. Well, we came up with that along the way. I don't know when we started with that because there's so we many fucking Halloween movies. Halloween kills, dude. <laughs> no, we started with the worst. Well, did we start with the worst? Oh, we're going to have to talk. All right. So anyway. We'll, we'll save Joe Chappelle versus David Gordon Green for the finale. Um, there we go. The Tommy, the, the, the dueling Doyles, as it were. And we will get going here with uh, with the original. Um, the 1978 classic. Halloween originally intended to be called the Babysitter, Babysitter Murders. So 
that's what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had before Mustafa Cod came along. And uh, yeah, you ready for the countdown? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Starting in three, two, one, play. All right. Here we go. Not messing around with the music at all either, which is nice, right? Like very nice. Mustafa Akkad. Donald Pleasance in. John Carpenter's Halloween. So for the last time on the two episode, I, I was wrong. I thought that two introduced the um, jack-o'-lantern, but no, it's this one. So uh, one thing about Halloween is, is that it's, it's one of the, it's also got the uh, one of the great, uh filmmaker audio commentary so there's a commentary track out there from carpenter deborah hill and jamie lee curtis recorded in the mid 90s for criterion and it is oh yeah it is awesome so yeah it's on all the blu-rays now at this point i think they've got it licensed out and everything so it's fine but yeah and i would say dave cundy i would say that uh the commentary, any commentary track with John Carpenter yes. is, is worth a listen. Yes. There's some, yes. He's got a very nice balance of the technical and the uh, just him sitting there stoned. But, uh, <laughs> I mean. Sounds familiar. <laughs> the, oh, there you go. Tommy Lee Wallace, who did not come back and direct two, but did come back and direct three. He thought he was getting two or something. I don't know. I, I, I breezed through that trivia last time. So, but um, get Deborah Hill. So this was Carpenter's second big movie after Assault on Precinct 13. And it was his third movie overall. Dark Star was the first one. Here we go. So you could do Mr. Saint. You could have just saying, you know, for the all for the Halloween um, special edition recut uh, continuity thing. You could do Mr. Sandman there instead of that song. Just saying. Pretty much. But here we go. Um. The POV, which got used for every slasher movie following Halloween. Now, supposedly, so there, oh shit, what's that book called? Shock Value, I think. Uh, there's a John Carpenter's buddy, somebody he knew, made a movie, a short movie in 1970 that basically did this. And mm-hmm. it just hasn't been released, but pre-pandemic the guy somebody i think at the usc film school here we go ah, just the use of music like it just mm. yeah yeah just that one note but then it hangs on right we got the tension mm-hmm. just 
the constant tension that doesn't that takes forever to ramp up, right? It's um, what was I saying? Yeah, so uh, shock value. It was a touring. You can see it if you live in California. At least you could. So that is Deborah Hill's hand. Um, she was the littlest person on set that day, so she got to play Michael Myers' hand. It is too bad that in Kills they didn't like recreate. So I've always wondered if the rocking chair by the window is a reference to Psycho. Could be. Yeah, because I mean, this is very. I think it was Siskel and Ebert who were just kind of like. There's Psycho and then there's Halloween because they fucking hated they hate horror hated horror movies. Or slasher movies in particular. I don't know how they felt about general horror movies. Like, they fucking think of The Omen or whatever. What, Seth Lieber? Yeah. Uh, they like this. They like this. But they didn't like anything else. No, they didn't like Friday 13th or any of the rest of those. Especially... Also, uh, if we were keeping track, the boyfriend lasted less than a minute. Yeah, he's he's faster than me in my old days. <laughs> Grabbing the mask. Quick uh, cut there. Hey. You could have done this. What was I, gonna, I was saying? The Halloween kills, since they were in the same house, they should have done that same sort of tracking shot through. Yeah, right. As he's about to, you know, slaughter just something, right? Like, yeah, just a nice callback. Since they were, you know, ripping shots all together. Right. You know, whole. What's the um, Bloody Christmas? Is that what it's called? The Canadian one? Was that what? Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Little Michael. <laughs> and look at the mother. She's like, <laughs> she I puts her you. hands in her pockets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it does run in a family. I don't know. And there we are, 709 Meridian. Boom. Your first uh, Dean Coonty Crane shot of the movie, too. Mm Mm-hmm. But here we are in the present, 1978. (laughs) <laughs> a rainy night <laughs> somebody is hauling ass in that <laughs> station wagon that's nurse what's her face smoking of course 
ever-present cigarette. And Mr. Donald Pleasance keeping it sober for once. <laughs> right? Like... He, um, this was kind of just it. Like once he, well, I guess a little bit different for the other Carpenter stuff, but he sort of got into playing Loomis and he never stopped. Right, right. This was his, um. Sorry, you'll need to continue an overcast. This was his uh, Van Helsing almost. Mm -hmm. So sort of uh, infamously Carpenter wrote Loomis and Deborah Hill wrote the Teenage Girls. I don't know if I can't remember if she mentions who wrote the nurse. She's not a bad character, too. It, it kind of sucks that she plays such a small part. Yeah. And it's also here we go. Um <laughs> It does sort of show people in the rain <laughs> how hard it is to do a sequel to this kind of thing because, like, it's such a self contained story, yeah. And once they hit like sort of these moments in the scenes, anything you ever do with it again is just gonna nothing's gonna compare to this. No, it becomes redundant. And there was Michael. We could uh, pause it and see if we could see his face, but um, <laughs> oh, we see his face later. We didn't plan for it. And he's just mussing her hair. He's not exactly in kill mode quite yet. <laughs> Here we get The first, uh, mm, and off the, he goes. The, yeah, the cracking of the glass sort of just showcases how, how Michael's not, uh, he doesn't have the same rules as a, as a regular man. Though, until the end, he's just a creeper, right? Like, he doesn't do anything, yeah, he's just a dude again, yeah. Like, in this, he can be killed until, you know, we learn at the end that he's almost damn near indestructible. So, those falling leaves, I believe, are somebody throwing those leaves in front of the camera. Somebody yeah, because everything else is green. Famous. Yeah. And so, uh, this is Pasadena in for Illinois. Yep. But whoever, I mean, one of, uh, Carpenter's from 
Ohio, I think. So I don't remember where Deborah Hill's from, but they knew what it looked like. Um, another car that's got the business name sticker on the side and magnet sticker on the side. <laughs> the big brown boat. Just love how it just starts so so naturally. This is young Jamie Lee Curtis. Is this her first actual thing or was she on some TV thing before? She might have done some TV. Because she was on... um, she was on an episode of the Hardy Boys. <laughs> With a really bad wig on for some reason. Because Jamie Lee Curtis always wears bad wigs. <laughs> As we yeah, I think last that might have been her thing for a minute. Who knows? <laughs> and little scrub Tommy Doyle. Mm-hmm. Sadly, I think that was a California plate on that car. Um <laughs> Yep, sadly, Tommy Doyle is going to grow up to be uh, Hadfield's greatest meth dealer until Anthony Halloween Kill. Ah, there's the old homestead. <laughs> Spook house. There we go. It's a house. And the kid that played Tommy was basically every kid in a sitcom at the time. Mm-hmm. Ah, there goes the tone. Yep. Which, of course, got turned into a country song for H4O as a joke. Um, would have been nicer <laughs> if they'd done it as a Carpenters-esque thing. Yeah. But, uh, and here's Something. how Michael... Oh, here we go. Something more representative of the 70s, I, I would think. Yes, is that supposed to be Mitchell Ryan's character? I can't remember. Or is it? It might be. But we never see this guy again, do we? No. <laughs> he yeah. was parked in a handicap spot. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we get the first uh first ever one of these scenes where the lecture is going to directly affect the rest of the movie uh 
This has, of course, been duplicated in at least one Scream movie, possibly two, right? Yeah. And then at least two more Halloween movies, right? Like at two or three Halloween movies, Scream. And then thankfully they they I think they parodied it in scary movie. So he's got the mask at this point, too. Yeah. So This is a lot uh, less on point of a lecture than in some of the other movies. Like H2O's is um, Frankenstein, where it's very directly Lori's obsession has become her, you know, she has become Frankenstein. Um, No, I always thought that... (laughs) Fits. big ass pumpkin man look at the kids in the background though. the cowboy and strawberry yeah, shortcake. cowboy and strawberry shortcake is this the last time carpenter worked with kids until village of the damned probably Hadfield just has shitty kids yeah that's what, another thing we've learned between this and the kids from uh, part four. Yeah. And they also, um, and then Halloween kills too. That's the whole point. Oh yeah. Definitely. Shitty kids in that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So he's got the mask on now, which means that whoever robs the store in a minute was not him. No. No, they they say he stole the mask though, right? Yeah, but it doesn't work timeline wise because he's got he had the mask to look at. He followed Lori to school, right? And now he's so if one somehow you would think he was more fixated on Tommy than anything, right? So at this point, he's not. The the fixating on Tommy makes no sense in like sequel logic, right? Like, no, he's really just going to kill the people who came to his house, right? Like, that's his plan. This is the rolling mountainous hills of Illinois. Um, very, <laughs> very normal thing. Now his plate there is is an Illinois plate. You can is see land of Lincoln on the top. Yeah. Okay, then I think the other one was too. I thought at the top it said California. No, the other one might have been California. This also has a very uh, Hitchcock feel to it, right? Because it is, even if it's supposed to be Illinois, it looks very much, it's very much the sort of Northern California look that Hitchcock, where they ended up a bunch of the time. Yeah. 
the scene, I, I can't remember what scenes they add with the, uh, Loomis didn't fucking find the body. Good job, Loomis. Um, <laughs> right. So there's a TV cut of this that adds some scene, some significant scenes because when you cut out the violence, the movie runs too short for a regular block. And so yeah. Carpenter shot those during Halloween too. And PJ Souls is in one of them. Huh. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis has got another one. And then Loomis has got one or two, including, I think, at the at Smith's Grove. But I can't remember yeah. what's in it. Yeah, there was the one where he was arguing to keep him in or something. Right? Yeah. He was arguing to keep him in the asylum. Yeah. There we go. The legendary PJ Souls and yes. Annie Nancy. Loomis. Nope, Nancy. Right, Nancy Loomis. Nancy there we go. Loomis. Nancy Keys. Nancy Keys is Annie. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Like. In a freaking like state hospital car. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, these look nothing like Illinois streets though it looks small town but it's definitely not yeah it does I mean but we, we're saying that knowing it I think that oh yeah most watching it would be like oh what the yeah, hell yeah it's just fine, but but I think they they shoot on this particular street a lot. Oh yeah, I think it's like a that's what I was thinking when she was walking earlier was is like are they is she just walking <laughs> one way on the street and then turning around and walking the other way on the street? Yeah. This street I think has been in multiple movies. But I mean it's you can see where the babysitter murders whole thing came from was that it's clearly setting them up. Yeah. And we're never going to meet Lori's parents. Like, I don't think we don't know. Mom. See your mother. I like that uh, Nancy oh there we go 
this sequence. Well, that's the other thing is, is this one's just so full of these, every sequence is memorable. Whereas in the other ones, you're lucky if you get two, right? Like, yeah. And it just seems so effortless. The suspense is not there. The kind of natural uh, feel. Like we know these kids. Yeah. So I was, I was just going to say about the last thing. Um, Nancy keys Loomis. uh, She like started speaking over PJ souls. And I can't Mm -hmm. tell if it was, she's going too soon or if she was playing it, like she's excited to give her some shit, which just works perfectly. Like it's just, Mm-hmm. But the thing about Kundi's photography here is, is that like he's muting what's got to be a very sunny day in Southern California too, right? Like it's yeah. not overcast, and he's very Mm-mm. carefully muting it. It's so good. Yeah. Boop. Boom. All right. Sheriff Brackett. One of the best town sheriffs in any movie. Wasn't some of the character names are shared with Psycho too. Like Loomis is from that. Um, Oh yeah. Loomis. Um, Trying to think who else. But in a way, like, I think it was it was very subtly a, a nod to Janet Lee and yeah. But the um bracket might have been named after can't remember who bracket's named after, but here we go with the afternoon trick-or-treating, right? Like <laughs> This is how it is now. Kids don't even trick or treat after dark anymore. That's fucked up. But yeah, so she gets home. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've got this sequence too, right? Like there's just so many. Yeah, this was definitely done on a Friday 13th. It's also in two to some degree right like in the flashback isn't her mom hanging the laundry or i can't remember that was five i think no no wait five was he's already there yeah five he was already there but i thought in the flashback to her remembering that her mom was not her mom that was six 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 that's when uh what's her name gets killed the mother in six. Yes. Which also is a callback to the laundry machine in five when they're down there. Mm-hmm. I love this. Like <laughs> I 
Because Michael Myers knows how to drive, but he does not know how to dial a phone. No. It's some of this stuff is in her room in Halloween Kills, I believe. Hmm. Or H four O, like some of the same crap. Trapped, she had yeah. Room. There's some people throwing leaves at her. <laughs> now here she is with the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. I want to know how little Jamie got the picture of her mom with the pumpkin. <laughs> In part four. Um, like who took that picture? It was one of those trick-or-treaters. Michael Myers took the picture and then he sent it to his <laughs> niece. Like, why are you making this seem weird? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Like, why? Pulling up in the Monte Carlo. Does she pick her up over there? Like, I'm just. Yeah, she could have busted a Yui. Right. Like, Again, they might be going in that direction, right? Okay. See, the. Um, All right. The Sandman song would have worked out perfectly. True. this guy this sort of character gets exposition dumper i feel like friday 13th used him for a bunch at the beginning too oh yeah somebody who just knows the whole story Of course, in The Fog, uh, Carpenter's follow-up to this. um... (laughs) Really, Loomis getting bored with somebody. Like, for the rest of these movies, it's everybody around, right? Screeching evil (laughs) for two hours. But uh, in the next, in in The Fog, Carpenter got uh, John Houseman to do that part. Like, yeah. Got to do a lot more uh, bit casting. Are they smoking (laughs) cigarettes or? Oh, no, that's not a cigarette. That's an El Zumo. And they're listening to Don't Fear the Reaper, which is kind of a harbinger. Well, and Michael's right behind him and nobody's noticed. Like, oh, no. Mm -mm. Devon Graham's following us. (laughs) 
PJ Souls thinks he's cute. Right. Right. Okay, See, I recall that being slightly longer where she repeats my dad. And Lori's like, it's right here. Because she's she's Isn't so stoned. Right no, but she repeats it though. Yeah. Um so this is the break-in, but Michael's already had the mask and he's following them at this point. So it wasn't Michael. <laughs> that had to have been Michael. Does he use many other masks later? No. Love this shot, though. Love this. This is some brilliant shit right here. Okay, they drive off. Loomis walks up. Mm-hmm. We turn around and turn around and where's he at? Where's he at? There he is. Boom. God, this is genius right here. This is yeah, and I mean this is very um this is very Hitchcocky, but yeah. also this that's the part where Hitchcock would have did a walk on. Yeah. He would have been one of the deputies or something. <laughs> um, this right here looks like Skokie. It does. Because, <laughs> I mean, once Coondy's shooting for, like, sunset, and, I mean, this day has sort of had two sunsets because when she's walking... Yeah, it's already getting Nancy home. It was already sunset or yeah, whatever. Annie home. Uh, you <laughs> could tell they were muting out the sunset for some of it at least, and now it's actually supposed to be sunset. But uh, yeah. Carpenter in either the commentary for this or I think the fog or possibly both, he talks about how like the best way to do car shots is you just do them in a dark garage as a night shot. Cause you don't actually have to do anything. You just have somebody like rock the car a little. Yeah. Just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but he did this, you know, elaborate uh, car talk in this one. And they still haven't noticed that he's behind them, but they are stoned. Yeah. So, but now it's night and we're not, not gonna be going back to the day. What's so funny about this series is that, and based on the name of the podcast, Michael Myers's house becomes the whole plot point in so many of the movies, right? Yeah, and it's got jack shit to do with this movie. Jack shit to do with this one because this was clearly supposed to be a one-off. And this is the this is the you know, main murder house. It, this is the one that's... Yeah, that's where everybody gets slaughtered. Super distinct. All right, time to go to work. 
but this is talked about a little bit in the last one where part of the Halloween is that Michael is, you know, Michael's present, right? And it is his presence itself is disturbing Mm -hmm. and like his stalking. And when you remove acknowledging that everybody that you're like seeing it from over his shoulder, it just, it changes it so much. And you see that so much in two with the, um, that stupid, security guard sequence where it's like eh. it's like he's yeah, staring yeah. himself like who gives a shit but uh here we go loomis and and bracket and so okay this is where we find the first dead dog right yeah a strolled realty sign out there mm-hmm He got hungry. Um, they don't come back to his house in the second one. The second one is when they uh, they're stoning the house, though. That's just the exterior, but yeah, it is yeah. the same yeah. house. So it's not because the house is going to change every oh, yeah. other time we see it, right? So like the house becomes a mansion. It becomes it becomes a cathedral in one of them. Has its own dungeon. Has a dungeon in resurrection. It's got a freaking full like laundry professional dry cleaner in the basement in five, right? Like no, that's six. No, six is when it's just the laundry machine five's got oh, yeah, that yeah, elaborate yeah. one where she goes up the yeah the shoot and so this is also the window right that ties yeah, into Halloween the kills where mm-hmm. this is also yeah where uh deputy deputy what's his face will patton um, will, will patton yeah shoots his partner <laughs> What I just, I just don't get about the later Loomis appearances is, is like, you know, Carpenter didn't spend six months working with Donald Pleasance on figuring out the Loomis performance, right? Like, it it doesn't seem like it took that much to get an all right performance from him, right? And so well, why didn't anybody Pleasance, else do it? Or Pleasance was it just walked drinking? into this. Yeah, he walked into this as the prestige octa. It wasn't till the later ones where they just said, oh, as long as he shows up in front of the camera. They didn't care about this broken old man. 
Well, Carpenter, let's see. So Carpenter never really gets credit for when the good writing, no. the really well-written ones like this, Assault on Precinct 13, The Fog, Escape from New York. Like, Escape from New York is when he, he his dialogue starts changing. But, like, for mm-hmm. his first three movies, he, like, worked it sort of natural dialogue. And I think, yeah. I mean, that was, like, the Deborah Hill connection, I think. These are definitely all the same Marvel, or not the same, but like they've all got Spalding yeah. ads on the back. They're Marvel yeah, comics. The same. You can't see what the, the, stack the of actual comics. ones are. They went to the spin rack and just grabbed a bunch mm-hmm. of them. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> Get your ass off the phone. <laughs> You're supposed to be babysitting. Get off the goddamn phone and feed me. <laughs> Surprise, it wasn't a Doberman. <laughs> Those were the big 70s dogs. German Shepherds and Doberman. Oh, here we get Ben Tramer. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ben Tramer. What is Tommy Doyle wearing? It's like a is he an astronaut? It's like a it's like a astronaut slash cowboy Mechanic. outfit. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's like a shitty it's a bootleg Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a it's a bootleg Hoth outfit, but it's too early for Hoth. Well, he wore all white in the first one. Yeah, but that looks no. like a half outfit. Like, yeah. But this was literally being made when yeah. Star Wars was still kind of. Star Wars didn't become a phenomenon till like, you know, a noticeable thing till like 80. 79. Yes. Whenever that first re-release was. Um, right, right. Wow. Just okay. <laughs> it was the 70s, man. Like you just didn't worry about. <laughs> they've already Luckily worried that about an 80-year-old creeper, right? Like they've already mentioned some pervy old man and it's like <laughs> I also like how um the dog doesn't like nobody. Hey, hey, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Whoops. He stopped. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Immediately we established that. That's a sick shot, though. <laughs> How did they do that? They probably just had him hold it up and hug the dog and then slow motion put him down. Yeah. Because it literally looks like he went limp. And now we have an incredibly long um, introduction where to the thing. John Carpenter, you know, drops how much he likes the thing. Which he would go on to remake. But this is starting the movie marathon that's continued in Halloween 2, presumably. Yeah. With far less interesting movies. I mean, it's Night of the Living Dead, but like, still, that's not as Mm -hmm. cool as the thing. Well, the time frame of this, once they do all of this, all this happens in like, Maybe two or three hours? Yeah. Because two is just the rest of the night. Lori's kind of being a dick because she's been seeing the boogeyman all day. Right, right. <laughs> Literally. She's just all, geez, I'm glad I'm not the only one here. <laughs> we lay this shit on this kid. Just... She's also stoned. <laughs> yeah. That was some good old Cali weed back then. Some California gold. And now this is why you don't have your laundry room in an unattached. Yeah, area. completely separate. They really should have, uh, in Halloween Kills, they should have kept up with Lindsay Wallace not paying attention while somebody's getting killed. Just, like, oblivious and shit. Yeah, just not knowing what the hell. Sitting on her phone. (laughs) (laughs) This Paul is some guy, isn't he? So wait, the power's out to the overhead light, but the dishwasher's work. Yeah, how would how would Lindsay hear her from inside? Yeah, especially with that TV loud as mm-hmm. hell. She wasn't even going to answer the phone. No. <laughs> How far are we in? Halfway? Oh, yeah. It, this is such a brisk. But they still, I mean, it still takes its time with like, 
Oh yeah. Building up, you know, the pacing is insane. So the little shit knows what's going on, like <laughs> hung up on him. Right. What the fuck? So Michael did something to the lock on the outside. You know, if he really wanted to kill somebody, he could have just went on ahead and did it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like Winnie the Pooh. It's all the suspense building. Who care? <laughs> yeah, right. The the fourth graders. <laughs> My babysitter got stuck. Does Paul say why'd the kid hang up on me? I can't. No. He just calls back. <laughs> Wow. This is like the, she's in, she's in the fog as Janet Lee's assistant. But this mm-hmm. is basically the only movie where you get. She's great because she's spunky. Like even in the fog, her little part, yeah. she's. <laughs> Tommy Doyle. So Lindsay's had a crush on him since Halloween 1978, and apparently he never turned that into anything. <laughs> Just say. Of course not. <laughs> Tommy had plans. <laughs> Tommy dug into Lori's stash and never looked back. Is that the only time in the series Michael ever crouches? Eh. He's always like, yeah, it might be because he's always coming around a corner. Yeah. So he's always, uh, when he's running, when people can't see him at top speed and also crouching to set himself up for the surprise. (laughs) See, at least an hour or so has passed. Or two hours at least. He didn't go drinking, he went trick or treating. 
Yeah, he's wearing a Michael Myers costume. Yeah, he lied about having a cool night. Instead, he's a fucking 17-year-old out (laughs) trick-or-treating. Here's the thing. How did he know to wear a Michael Myers costume? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because they get him in part two. He's literally dressed exactly like Michael Myers. Yeah. In the Halloween extended universe, that's a normal, that's a, there's a reference to it. Apparently. What was she just singing? Was she just singing the made up song? Was it the made up song? Yeah. This this yard just makes no sense, right? Like it's got the it's huge. Cause she walked back across the street directly into the backyard to the garage without going without having the keys. So like the backyard's just full of buildings. <laughs> now she's singing a song to Paul. Doggone this, Paul. Doesn't realize the door's unlocked until boop. Yeah, like, wait a minute. And there's condensation. And. Eh. We haven't gotten a good look at the mask, an unobstructed view of the mask, right? Like, no, not head on till here. He's always been at a distance. And this has still got the window. So it's very um, hiding the shark, as it were. Yeah. This is the uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. Down she goes. And nobody can hear the car horn honking because they're all inside. Okay, so it's a Howard the Duck comic. So this is Forbidden (laughs) Planet being shown on TV. um, On Halloween. Letterbox. There was something about Forbidden Planet. It had at least a like early letterbox VHS release. It's not impossible that it aired once in Southern California. The first movie I think I can recall ever seeing on VHS and letterbox was probably Inner Space. Yeah, Inner Space was the big first one. There was another There's- one. They, they had a tag at the beginning uh-huh. of it explaining. Just think they could have done in the second one, they could have so easily done like a mummy movie from Universal where that was like a, a motif of the, the mummy carrying bodies. Oh, yeah. What a, okay, so yeah, Inner Space, that was one. There was some other movie 
that had a similar situation where they released a letterbox only. But yeah. And the funniest thing about Interspace is when you watch it, it's not like it's 177 or 166. Like it's not like uh something like this where you wouldn't have been able to see anybody in the same shot half right. the time of the movie. So now Loomis has spent his night hanging out in the bushes. And this is where we're going to meet Lonnie, right? Lonnie. Yeah. Get your ass away from there. And this ties into H. In the Halloween kills. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, H4O kind of, they kind of, they botch all of this time-wise. Yeah, because doesn't Lonnie run from here and runs into him? It it doesn't make any sense that he would be slaughtering these people and all of a sudden. He went upstairs, he set up the bedroom, then he went for a walk. That's where we're at. That's the only logical explanation. We sort of see the lined up for a slaughterhouse in H4O and kills, but. Mm. Wow. He straight up blames him for letting him out. Uh (laughs) It was carjacked. I mean, look at this. Look at the van. (laughs) Wait a second. Oh, no, this is what's your face. With with Peter Billingsley, no. <laughs> oh, that aged well. Mm-hmm. I mean. What's terrifying about the Halloween franchise is this is the most likable boyfriend. Um, He's one of the more likable boyfriends in the entire nine movie saga, right? Like, yeah, he's also another quickie. (laughs) Like, all this build up to them, you know, getting it on. 
one of the things I just can't figure out about it is, is like Carpenter had to know it was going to need the music when they were writing it, right? Because the suspense you know, sequences. I almost think he wrote around the music. Because <laughs> it like, hits so right. Mm-hmm. This only works if the if there's the music, like stop being a jerk, Tommy. A little <laughs> stop being a boogeyman. Stop being a jerk. You're gonna grow up to be an angry, bald, white male meth dealer in nineteen in twenty eighteen. Boy, Laurie was keeping visual like Batman. Jeez. Mm-hmm. All right, what's on TV now? <laughs> Does the fun ever stop? What if the Wallaces just so happen to come home? <laughs> There's that. What if Paul, like, so wait, that's it for Paul? He never comes looking for any? He never calls or anything. Okay. Paul's the safest person in this movie right now. <laughs> When did they have those four beers? Right. Oh, oh maybe this is Paul. Mm-hmm. That's not going to backfire, dude. <laughs> The damn phone. <laughs> that big ass office rotary phone mm-hmm. in the house. <laughs> Yeesh. We don't know how and much I'm time s- has passed since they went upstairs. Um, I think the other thing is, is that the way Carpenter uses like Michael in this, like in another movie, that would have been a pop scare, right? The shadow crossing over him. Mm-hmm. Carpenter, even with the music drawing attention, like he doesn't use it as a pop scare. 
it's subtle. So the Wallaces, they just, you know, why does our room smell like cigarette smoke? <laughs> it was the seventies. Everybody smoked. Theoretically. <laughs> Probably, yeah, I guess. Yeah. The whole house just smelled of smoke, right? Like parliaments. <laughs> big old fucking weird pic- painting of a kitten on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> This definitely gets repeated somewhere throughout the uh, the franchise. I mean, I guess. Kundi's using like blue light, but look what he's doing with it compared to what. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Four. <laughs> Shit, five, too, right? I think five's got that problem. Yeah. Five's um, got a lot of smoke. Six. Six has got that. Six five has that another. And haze for yeah. no reason. <laughs> Let me introduce myself. Ah. And this is the headcock, right? Oh, yeah. The classic headcock. That's a probably a Texas chainsaw reference there. And there's the headcock. Yep. <laughs> what you do? But it's like three headcocks. It's not just the pacing of it's just different. It's just so weird. It's like, if you were to rip this off closer, you'd end up with a better product than than not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of the Halloween H4O and Halloween Kills situation in some ways. And he never thinks to do this again till five. Sort of disguise himself. Mm-hmm. Use another damn mask. Wow. <laughs> Here we go. And this basically she gets turned off really fast. <laughs> God bless you, PJ Souls.
You know, I just noticed Jamie Lee Curtis's hair is different here. That at the beginning? Right. It's not, it's, it's styled different. Mm-hmm. Well, one was for school, one's for babysitting. No, but this, like this scene in particular, it's completely different than it was. Well, the lights just went on and off in the. Like. In the cutaway, too. See, look, it's different there. Yep. It seems like it's longer or something. Another shot that might have been a pickup shot. Loomis. So at this point, Loomis has been just hanging out at 709 Meridian right there for uh, a couple hours. At least. I'd say two and a half. I mean, how long is Forbidden Planet, right? Because the thing is 80 plus 85 minutes or something, I think. Yeah, but it's on TV. Good point. Loomis just noticed the fucking car being parked across the street, too. Let's not forget. He was there for two and a half to three hours, and he didn't fucking think to look at the car or look up the street. Oh, so the Doyle house was just up the block. Let's see. Yeah, her hair was way different. <laughs> so this point, does the movie ever they see let look, up? Yeah. It changed again. Did we establish that she wanted to sew earlier or... <laughs> Well, shit, they didn't film this over... Then we filmed this over a month at the most, right? Like, Jimmy mm-hmm. Curtis's this hair just must to... grow fast. If her hair grows that fast, why the fuck didn't they just have it grow it out for two? Just saying. True. I think at that point, she, like... Didn't have like, to anymore. <laughs> she yeah. could say no. Her style was the... Yeah. Uh, the... the, the um, what do you call it? Prom night cut. Or the uh, terror train hair. But it was long-ish in the fog. It just wasn't like this. Yeah. The other thing is, is that like we never hear the wind in some of these shots. We hear other 
Yeah, all the background noise. noise, but we never hear that. So it creates this like it helps create some of the tension of it. The tension, like, yeah. Because at this point, the movie could still be them about to throw her a surprise birthday party, right? Like, <laughs> and that would be funny. The one that that's the most with the, that's the most disconnected is the second is the Rob Zombie Halloween two. Is huh. that until like the last four minutes, Laurie Strode's got nothing to do with um, Michael Myers, so hmm. it's totally. They're totally independent of one another. Like, I think he kills Danielle Harris, but she has no idea. So her story is only, like, foreboding because of the music and the Rob Zombie editing and whatnot. But I just found out he's doing the monsters. Yeah. Who's Who's the wife? His wife? Probably. I haven't paid any attention. <laughs> I bet it is. I, it, I'm I sure it, it is. is. And if Sid Haig was alive, he would have been Grandpa. Like, it's just PG Rob Zombie or whatever. Like, Oh, you're kidding. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's just going to be. It's PG, at most PG-13. It's not oh, a Rob God. Zombie movie. Um. <laughs> Some of this Dean Coonty is just, this. I don't know. Is this look the at the best? angle? I love how it's set. Like you know, looking up. Mm-hmm. And he's got the light coming in, mostly over her shoulder, but also enough from the front to like. It's yeah. just so, so good. I think this is probably the best photograph sequence in the movie. This dark room photograph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if we can say that shuttered windows and doors are a reference to anything because they're fucking everywhere in this movie. <laughs> that's that's what Hattonfield is known for. Mm-hmm. Hattonfield's known for their shutters. <laughs> The plant is at the other side of town. Mm-hmm. Tommy Doyle. It's all. It's also a really California thing, probably too. Okay, so it's we're at about seventy-six minutes before we get the first like. Super shocker moment. Yeah. Yeesh. Like Michael really worked hard at staging that. Like, just right. He didn't leave the house till it was perfectly perfect. Well, 
Like he got the jack o' lantern set. Like that one, however, he's just like, nah, I just the tombstone stuck. kept falling down. He's, <laughs> he's resetting the tombstone. Well, because we saw him carrying the body in, but at some point he had to bring the tombstone in. Yeah. He had to go to the car to mm-hmm. get the tombstone. So if you really wanted to do it right, Tommy Doyle would have run I into or Lonnie would have run into him when he was carrying I the tombstone. Love this. Just coming in coming out of so slowly. Oh. There's where she hurts her leg. Yeah, I wonder what the second one. I wonder what the would have happened to the franchise is if the guy who played Michael in the second one played him like this. Because, Instead of so robotic. Mm-hmm, because that's what Michael's become, right? Like, even in the new ones. Yeah. Well, Nick Castle, I think, didn't he say that they kind of, they he just did it as though he was a great, you know, he moved like a regular mm-hmm. person. Like, yeah, he didn't. They didn't think about it as anything like that. And now, of course, you just say he's old or whatever. So, okay. She's screeching for help. Nobody, we already established nobody in Haddonfield hears shit because of that car honking. Yeah. All the houses are soundproof. And they is just don't Lori give a Strode? Shit. What is Lori Strode doing at my house this time of the night? Everybody knows her when she gets to the hospital. And this fucking guy's like, nah, I'm not opening my door. Right. <laughs> okay, so the... Um, Porch lights are on here. All right. There is some point where the porch lights aren't on. And note the door. Mm-hmm. I think there's something with the door. Okay, there's the doorknob. Is... Oh. Come on, kid. Damn. <laughs> so good. Like this. Yeah. This sort of unduplicatable arc, though. Like, you're just never going to be able to get that in a sequel. No. no. Yeah. Oh, you got the Vader breathing. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't have left the window open. Oh, this is the part in uh, 
terror in the aisles. <laughs> I love the scene of terror in the aisles where they cut to the audience in the theater. Here it goes. <laughs> so I was thinking. Don't drop the knife. Asshole. How well this works as a one-off, right? And then the yeah. goal of the franchise was initially that it was going to be a bunch of one-offs. Yeah. Anthology type. Why didn't Carpenter ever do any of his other movies as one of those? You could have said. The fog on Halloween, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, that would have made more sense. Uh huh. He didn't want to do any of that shit. He just wanted to like. He wanted to be done with it. All right, all right, okay. So it took Loomis a half hour to walk three blocks, or something, is what we're. Yeah, because what the. Myers House in proximity is kind of a, a weird location. But he just said three blocks. And so presumably that means Michael carried that tombstone. Well, he had the car. Nope, but he parked the car over by his old house. Oh, yeah. He put, he, uh, yeah, I guess he put the tombstone somewhere. He was running. He can run. He can hop and he can run or he can duck and run. He's got four speed. Wait, who's that? Okay, this is the second attack. Or actually the third at this point, right? Yes, third, because the first is in the other house. In the other house, yeah. Notice there's none of the fucking eyes, right? Like, they very no. clearly leaned into the oh, eyes shoot. for better yeah. or worse in the second one. And I think we can see where it went. And then this sequence, which, like has become what the movie's most was sort of most known for before yeah things and it's just like it's good but i don't know that it's i I guess i never like hid in that exact kind of closet enough for it to be super effective or something yeah it's 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 just in a closet in general we established michael needs light to fucking see things like (laughs) oh hi mark (laughs) 
All right. Don't drop it this time. Mm -hmm. Like how she's holding a knife like a gun. Yeah. No, oh, people can't hear me nod. That's a problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean... More than, I don't know, like, that's kind of the thing about the first four or five John Carpenter movies is, is that actually nobody else could have made them. But, like, I feel like Halloween, especially having seen 40 years of Halloween sequels, really just shows out how, like, in order to do this kind of thing and to do it this well, it needs to be you know, some, a singular film director like John Carpenter. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is what established him. This is literally his jaws, you know? Yeah. But he made this well, shit. 74 for dark star. This is 78. So four years in. Yeah. Spielberg made jaws second too, right? Like, yeah, because Sugarland came first, Sugar right? Land, and then yeah. So Assault on Precinct Thirteen is John Carpenter's Sugarland, and then <laughs> <laughs> this set is shrite, pretty much. <laughs> Come here. Also, Michael never breathes like that in the other ones, right? Like, that's... Not really. Yeah, and then we see There's his face. There's your face. Hmm? And... One. There we go. Two, three, four, five, six... And don't they add it? They need to have a name for that noise when they hit the ground. It's just as big as the Wilhelm screen at this point. Yeah. People call it the Pink Panther noise, but <laughs> and yeah. he's gone. The evil is gone from here. 
I mean, it's almost as though the implication is is that he doesn't exist, not that. Now that would have been out there doing something, right? Like, because Loomis isn't panicking. No, he's like, God, dog, what? Right, it's the uncanny again, and now we're getting the shots through the house that sort of remind of the opening without being in the same house and things like that, and then the Vader breathing. Is it me or is that shot of the living that, room still had a knife on the there floor? The, there's the fucking the See, lights. The, the lights, lights are off. They just yes, they just fucked up the lights. Seven oh nine Meridian, folks. Seven oh nine Meridian. Yeah, they really. <laughs> you can't really. You can't really top that. Like no. And they haven't. No. Okay. They, they so just remixed it. You know. Graveyard keeper Richie Lonnie. Doctor Wynn. That is Doctor Wynn. So, ah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, what's his face? Um, Mitch Ryan. Mitch Ryan, yeah. So, looks like the credits are going to run about two minutes, which means that the main movie's 78 minutes, or no, 88 minutes, which puts it, you know, eight minutes past uh, H2O's main story or so. (laughs) Like, okay. (laughs) Any other names popping up? Let's see. I don't know if James Cameron worked on this one. There's a not zero chance he's who I'm thinking of that was throwing leaves. Because Cameron painted shots for what's called Escape from Escape from New York. Escape yeah. from New York. Yeah. Bowling Green Philharmonic Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Don't fear the Reaper. BOC. The Thing, Forbidden Planet, and no other movies. Filmed in Miggy Figgy Panavision. Falcon International Productions. And. Oh, none of this is true. Damn. It just goes on after the credits. That's so dope. Yeah, that's not. What, eight, ten seconds after the credits? Yeah. All right. So that was Halloween one. Um, Wow, they should have stopped right right about then. Like, (laughs) could have. John Carpenter told him to. Uh, yeah it's um i feel like part of its whole disappearing for 15 years or whatever from the i mean it didn't really disappear from the i mean it certainly didn't disappear from the consciousness because you had the sequels going on but it was just like i i feel like when fangoria got popular in the 80s once video stores started popping up it just sort of it had a new life Definitely in um like repeated TV. Yeah, viewing. but I think that the first one got sort of forgotten for the franchise's sake in some ways. Just how like, and that could of course, I mean, 
again, what's the TV cut look like? I don't think, I think the Anchor Bay TV cut is the movie with the extra scenes put in. I don't think it's the movie minus whatever they cut out of it and had to add the extra scenes to, right? So it's like, it's not a true, like, uh, looking at it now, it's not the same thing. Some of it flows well. And then at other points, you're like, dude, this was just thrown in air. Yeah. There's a lot of exposition. I feel like the PJ Soul scene's a fun cameo, but I think that it, I feel like it screws up the pacing of that section. Yeah, yeah. Where she comes to the house and it's like, what, what, the what? But I mean, the other thing is with TV cuts, you don't know about that because you've also got commercial breaks and that's affecting how everything's paced and things like that. So it's like, oh, yeah. It is, it is difficult to, uh, to really approximate that experience and why you would want to do it anymore is, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's interesting because it is how people would have seen the movie for X amount of time, but, it's also yeah, the TV cuts are probably a little better known, especially for part two, because mm-hmm. I can recall seeing it a couple of times and some, you know, somebody else was like, well, what happened at the end? The ending, he's supposed to get up in the ambulance and all that. Right. <clears throat> a lot of people don't remember that, that, that the original cut just cuts. Which is kind of what this one does, except without Mr. Sandman. I think that, I don't know. Like, if you were trying to make a more, if you're trying to bring the Mr. Sandman in, I think you could get away with it at the beginning, playing over the kids singing in the 1964 flashback. But at the same time, I feel like you shouldn't use it at the end of uh, two, then, right? It's like only really works no. once. Yeah. It's all more right. Effective. So at least it wasn't. Uh... At least it wasn't, I only have eyes. I hate that shit. Because <laughs> they use that in every horror movie now, that fucking song. All right. All right, let's go. See- oh, wow. All right. So we're going we're gonna to quickly go through some trivia on this one. And uh, then we will, we will do the Halloween in order as we are doing our wrap up here. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. So... John Carpenter considered hiring Jamie Lee Curtis as the ultimate tribute to mom, Janet Lee and psycho. So there's that right off the bat. Um, Budget of $300,000 grossed 47 million, making it one of the most successful independent films of all time. I feel like it was like the most successful independent film until the mid nineties. Like, I think it held on to that for a long time. Uh, babysitter murders took place over multiple days and this was reduced for budgetary reasons and made Halloween because it was scary. Jamie Lee Mm. Curtis was the only high schooler. Something about the mask. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, Story is based on an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychiatric hospital. Carpenter met a child with a look of evil and it terrified me. Uh, Cushing and Lee turned down Loomis. You know, wow, neither of them would have worked. No, can you even imagine? Oh my god! They wouldn't have worked. Peter Christopher, Christopher Lee towering over everybody. That would have been the most interesting. I feel like Cushing just would have made it feel like a Dracula movie. Oh well, yeah, he definitely that would have been the connection then. Okay, Van Helsing and. Uh, 
because the film was shot out of sequence, which would explain Jamie Lee Curtis's hair changing, they yep. used a fear meter to let Jamie Lee Curtis know how scared she should play in each scene, which makes her performance even more impressive. <laughs> like, um, Pleasance and Hill were buddies. Deborah Hill wrote most of the dialogue for female characters. Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, Jamie Lee Curtis was on the sitcom Petticoat, Operation Petticoat at this time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the dark lighting comes from necessity. They didn't have money for lights. Uh, paper leaves. Let's see what else here. He originally showed the music without music, which did not impress anyone. There's a book, uh, which we mentioned last time. So still don't know what the book is. Uh, John Carpenter composed the score in four days. It's shot in 20 days. Okay, here it is. Robert England, Freddy Krueger, is one of the guys who threw dead leaves. That's who it was. Yep. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, PJ Soul saw the movie. Some guy yelled out from the theater during her topless scene and her boyfriend, Dennis Quaid, offered to confront him, but she did not have him do it. Um, the scene where the shape seems to appear out of darkness behind Lori was accomplished by using a simple dimmer switch on the light that slowly illuminated the mask. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, that. Wow. Okay, here we go. Loomis did all the shooting in five or Pleasance did all the shooting in five days. He's only in the movie for 18 minutes. Hmm. The character Michael Myers was named after European, the European distributor of Carpenter's previous film, Assault on Precinct 13, as a weird kind of thank you for the film's over-screen, or overseas success. Uh, supposedly, John Carpenter got the money from Mustafa Akkad, basically because he was uh, hustling. He, Akkad was bitching about a movie that was costing him $300,000 a day, and Carpenter said, I can do that in, I can make a whole movie for $300,000. Um, no, I'm going okay. Sorry, we're running, we're <laughs> running into the trivia that is stuff like, uh, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis admitted I loathe horror film movies, I don't like to be surprised. Does she say that about the new ones? Mm, just, just sign, maybe. <laughs> maybe your opinion actually changed. Like, um, Loomis was originally supposed to have a lengthy phone conversation or a phone conversation with his wife where he could do some exposition dump and also could, um, that would also be sort of a 2001 nod, but also it, uh, or Pleasance didn't want to do it because he thought that the character should be an enigma, which is uh, another one of the things that sort of backfired <laughs> as the film we, went on. We also uh, have to add that, that Laurie has no idea who this man is. There's Loomis that too, is. right? Yeah. Loomis is just as, um, I mean, Loomis and Michael just came to town on the same night, right? Like there's no tie. We Only the graveyard guy remembers the Myers story. Tommy and his, Tommy's bullies or whoever, or Lonnie's friends. It's just some. It's a ghost story by the time. It's just a ghost, ghost story by then. Yeah. Um, Haddonfield's named after Deborah Hill's hometown of Haddonfield, New Jersey. Linda's line, cute Bob, real cute, is a reference to the Donnie and Marie Osmond show. Huh. 
which was lost over time. Um, For real. <laughs> oh, I was right. To achieve the shot of Michael Myers strangling the dog, the trainer on set held the dog in his arms and dropped him naturally. This was shot mm-hmm. in slow motion to make it look as if the dog was killed. So they just used a better wow. camera because, yeah, yeah, slow motion would have fucked it up. Um, blah, blah, blah. Real places, sanitarium. John Carpenter states the original title sequence was to show a long shot of a sideway ending with a Halloween mask on the floor, or on the floor, well, I would assume on the sidewalk. Um, and it was dropped for the more iconic sequence of the Jack and Lantern. I should try that though. That would have been kind of cool. Um, Carpenter and Dean Coondy watched Chinatown when planning the photography. Blah, blah, blah. Tommy Lee Wallace, who was like the production designer, cut the pumpkin for the opening titles, which makes sense if he's the production designer. Carpenter says it's just a horror story. Don't see it as a morality play about virgins or something. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a horror movie. It's a roller coaster. Tommy Lee Wallace had worked second unit for Carpenter on this film and was chosen by, originally chosen by Carpenter and the producers to direct Halloween 2. His approach was more of an H2O, where it's five years later, Lori's in graduate school and Michael resurfaces. Carpenter insisted it had to be a next kind of day type of sequel, and they wanted more blood because of Friday the 13th. So um, Tommy Lee Wallace didn't do it. And by the time he was proven right, it was time for Halloween 3 season of the Witch. Average age of the cast and crew, it was 26. That's kind of interesting. Um, blah, blah, blah. In reality, most of the score was performed by John Carpenter on a piano he was using in his home with Dave Wyman making later additions uh, with a primitive synthesizer. So not the Bowling Green Phil Harmonic Orchestra for much of it. Uh, Shatner sued for likeness on the Michael Myers mask once he found out about it. So that's cool. Isn't that why they painted it white, though? Mm, no, I think they painted it white just so it wouldn't just be a Captain Kirk mask. But um, he sued for past royalties. They settled out of court and he donated to charity. Ironically, it should have been dismissed just because the mask was a likeness of Captain Kirk, which at that time would have been off the cartoon, not off of what's-his-face. But the uh, Star Trek crew, of course, got fucked by Paramount on um, likeness things, so whatever they can do to get more is is good. Um, Kyle Richards, who plays Lindsay Wallace, is the sister of Kim Richards, who was in Assault on Precinct 13. They later went on to star in... The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Huh? Yep. Dick Baxter, who was mentioned as the dirty old man, is one of the first three victims in The Fog. Uh, staring at this, what is something about... Carpenter says he mentioned has mentioned at some point Michael Myers was based on the gunslinger in Westworld. Uh, uh. We're getting close. We're getting close, everybody. I promise. We're down to what kind of gun Sam Loomis carries. Um, <laughs> talking about the cars. Just in case you want to go out and get your own pistol. Yeah. For the, that Michael Myers hunt. 
So speaking of the convoluted video rights, which we could just do 10 minutes on. Yeah. Um, That's a whole rabbit hole unto itself. In 2021, a remastered, restored version of the 1978 film was released as part of the Lionsgate film catalog. Additionally, the sequels from the mirror from the Universal Pictures period are now part of the Universal catalog, and the Miramax period sequels are now Paramount. Mm. The current prequels trilogy, Universal, Universal, and what I don't know, doesn't make any sense. Um, something about the Swedish title, Halloween Nights was set on Halloween night, nineteen sixty-five. That's stupid trivia. Who cares? My, if Mike Myers used his real name, he'd be Michael Myers. That's a good one. Um, he, Michael Myers was not supposed to be grotesquely disfigured, simply injured by Laurie stabbing him in the eye. Uh, oh, here we go. Originally, the script had Donald Pleasance having a surprised reaction to the disappearance of Michael Myers' body from the lawn. Instead, Pleasant suggested his reaction should be, I knew it would happen this way. They shot it both ways and picked Pleasance's version. So really does not tie into the second one. In the TV version, we find out that Michael's name is Michael Audrey Myers. Um, That's right. That's from the uh, the sequence where they're um, at the, where Loomis is protesting to keep him locked up or whatever. They're yeah. the big, um, the big room. Yeah, and then um, the last, the last uh, trivia note is something about how the movie's a metaphor for changing sensibilities about um, teenage sex, which of course is exactly what, um, which is exactly what uh, Carpenter and Hill said never happened okay so since we're not going to watch the tv version let's go through this real quick the changes in scenes uh yeah there's a scene where loomis is talking about michael when he's a kid so that means michael was his doctor or loomis was his doctor forever which i think is established later they look at the break-in room or the room that he broke out of in the sanitarium and see sister written on the wall yeah, and there is then, that. Okay, so that first scene was like five minutes. The second scene is two minutes. And the third season is Lori and PJ Souls hanging out at Lori's before yeah. babysitting starts and Annie calls or something. So, um, yeah, the sweater sequence. <laughs> I think the that, blouse. Yeah, the. Besides the sister thing, the most memorable one is the Loomis at the beginning. Because when you think about it, when you add, what is that, five minutes of Loomis, excuse me, if you add five minutes to Loomis to the movie, that's a substantial amount more of Donald Pleasance in Halloween. Because if he's only yeah. in it for 18 minutes, it's like they, they said about... The most of it. Yeah. They make the most of it, though, because you never even notice that, it, it, you know... No, and it's because it's because Carpenter has got that like all the scenes when a scene a suspense sort of Michael and the babysitter scene starts, he plays that whole thing out in real time until that sequence comes to an end, and then it's he jumps ahead. So it's like we get eight minutes of Annie's night right even before mm-hmm. 
anything happens and they don't so it's yeah the pacing on that's just awesome like who knew john carpenter makes really good movies be nice if people hadn't forgotten for 15 years or whatever they did well it's not that they forgot they just kind of went on ahead and started aping his style you know a lot of people i mean i think think that might have been part of why he sort of just dipped out he's like why the fuck should i keep doing this and you know he he had other interests yeah he wanted to smoke pot and play video games that's literally all he did until fucking lost themes and when they Mm -hmm. asked him what are you doing he's like i'm having too much fun smoking pot and playing video games and then when he made the ward he only did that so he could hang out with scantily clad young women so it's almost better when he doesn't talk and make and just you know it's like (laughs) um but yeah so it let's see so carpenter after this was the fog escape from new york then he did the thing and that bombed then he did Starman and that bombed. Then he did Christine, or he did Christine and that bombed. Starman bombed. Really? Christine bombed? Didn't it comparatively I, bomb? I don't know. All I know is it came out around that time that like every other horror movie was a, a yeah, Steve the King. Stephen King. Let's see. All these for the typing folks. But I do I do remember <laughs> that the thing did bomb. Christine made 21 million. So less than half of what Halloween made a few years earlier. So no, Christine mm. bomb. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah, that yeah, that bombed. So See, it's, it's like it's it's hard to tell looking back because like some of those movies became big, like super yeah. duper big cable hits. Right, like like Last Starfighter for Nick Castle became a bigger cable hit than it was in the theaters. And yeah, I feel like, yeah, I think, and then what it then Carpenter did, Prince of Darkness, and they Prince live, of Darkness. And it's like, I don't oh, know, God, man. At that point, maybe you should have just done Halloween 4 and made it good, like made a splashback because you didn't make a splashback on your own. No. So I can yeah. recall when, um, I recall when Escape from LA was supposed to be his big. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. Like I watched oh, yeah. it the last it's time I watched awful, it. Yeah. I was just like, I was, it was that combination of being mad that I ever liked it. So like just being enraged at my what 18 year old, 17 or 18 year old self, but then also just like mad at everybody involved. I was just like, this is just, and it was Deborah Hill too. She died and a few had, years after that, but she came back for that. And I'm just like, why the fuck didn't you two just work together before? But I mean, with Carpenter, Carpenter turned down, you know, Carpenter's like the Billy Crudup of movie, uh, of directors, right? Like Carpenter turned down. Yeah, because there's Star stuff Trek, he would motion picture, that. Right. He turned down a bunch mm. of other stuff like Billy Crudup turned especially, down Titanic or whatever. So it's just like, especially if he wanted to branch out. Mm-hmm. You know, and do other stuff than horror. He he could have easily just done, you know, something like Star Trek: The Motion Picture, or especially considering that he ended up doing Ghosts of Mars. <laughs> well, no, which one? Hey, I like Ghosts of Mars. That was a <sighs> remake, though. Right? Well, yeah, but I mean, it's Assault on Precinct Thirteen, and also Space whatever Space that other. Man. But um, 
It's better than it's better than Escape from L.A. Oh God! Yeah, Escape from. I do remember Escape from L.A. having a good trailer. <laughs> that was Did about it? it. But I think yeah. it was just a trailer that reminded us that we liked Escape from New York and wanted to right. see that again. But it's almost it's like one, it's the one where in the beginning it, it starts off as like a um, almost a movie theater PSA, and then right. and then. Uh, at the very end, it's it's Kurt Russell as Snake. Yeah. Talking about call me Snake or something. Yeah. <sighs> and then, then they, they did never... those god awful uh comics. Jesus. Have you seen the comics? I, yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. The comics and recently they've done crossovers. I with, saw the um, crossovers. So weird thing, the first probably the first trade worth but I think it's like the first nine issues of big trouble in little China. The comic is great. It immediately goes to shit like in the second arc or something. But I remember the first one is actually like great. Like I was overjoyed at how good it was. And then it just immediately goes to shit, but it was good for a bit. Carpenter like writes comics too. Sometimes he did that for a bit. Those were all shitty. Like I'm shocked that they didn't cross over. Big Trouble Little China with uh, Buckaroo Bantai because W.D. Richter. W.D. Richter. Yeah. Uh, I bet it was right. I bet that's all. I bet it was that, you know, because for them to be able to do those crossovers, things have to be established long enough for somebody to give them the chance. Like, I don't, which I don't get. Like, just fucking do it. Like, who gives a shit? Like, you're going to tarnish this thing. Like, everything's yeah, tarnished like, like leave it a, like well, somebody was hanging cares? on somebody was clutching yeah the pearls of continuity for buckaroo bonsai which isn't untrue like buckaroo bonsai fans are fanatical so oh, yeah they're very diehard for it but it's not it's not so much that you know that it has to be beholden to you know yeah but um that was another cable hit. So anyway, yeah. um, 80s cable hits. I mean, yeah. So with Carpenter and just sort of, so it's funny how, because so much of Halloween is just shitty and we'll get to the list in a minute here, but uh, because so much of it, the bulk of the bulk of Halloween, the franchise is just shitty. When you talk about Halloween, you don't talk about it as a Halloween movie. You talk about it as a John Carpenter movie. Like, there's no other way to talk about it. Ah, the TV cut a little bit more, but like the thing is sit right in sister on the door also would explain him stealing that fucking headstone. Yeah. So, but all right. Are we ready for the list? Yeah, I think so. All right. So I got my list and then we'll make an official list. Mm-hmm. 709 Meridian official list number coming in at number nine. This is the worst Halloween movie. I say 666. Uh, I'm gonna say kills. You're gonna say kills because it it, it it ruins all the, the goodwill that yeah, but you had, yeah, you had goodwill with that. I see, I didn't have so that's gonna well, be the big difference. But then I got turned around on it. I know <laughs> because kills was his kills revealed. Because it is an awful movie. It's, it's a bad movie, but Halloween Kills is just like there's so much dumb shit that goes on in that movie. It's just uh, uh, like it, right. it, it stopped. I didn't. I don't even anticipate the next one. So 
Yeah, that is a thing. So um, I was thinking about that. Uh, I don't know how we'll do a commentary on that, but maybe we maybe we'll do a return se- season at some point. But that's not what's coming up. We're not waiting with bated breath for Halloween ends. No. Okay, number eight, second worst. I'm going with five. I'll go with six, six, six. Does not want to do numbers backwards. Number seven. This is where I get to the unpleasantness for me. <sighs> On a weird technicality, which I will explain, I'm actually going to stick resurrection at number seven. <laughs> for reasons that I will get to in a bit. What have you got? Um, I would say uh, five. Okay, so five again has the most annoying friggin' characters, you know. I think I see exactly what's gonna happen with our list. (laughs) I think they're gonna be off by by Halloween kills, basically. All right. (laughs) So then number six is where I'm gonna stick H4O. You know what? Uh, I can agree there on that one. Okay. And then here we go. Fifth is where I'm going to have to put kills. And here's why it's shitty, but I would rather watch it again. than after we watched fucking 18 again, mm. I would rather hate watch kills more and the sequences where they ape this one. And two, that's better filmmaking than they did on their own at H4O. Mm. So it's a weird technicality. That I don't like it, but like, <laughs> I've got to say, the shots at the beginning where they're running around and it's the wide shot through the alley. Well, that's, that's the only thing that, yeah, that's the only merit it has at all yeah. to me. So like as an aping of Rick Rosenthal and John Carpenter and John Carpenter pretending to be Rick Rosenthal, that is why I, I'm going to put it so incredibly high, even though I don't like it at all. And you are going to put 2018. You already did 2018. Last did I do it? Oh, wow. You did. You, yeah. Um, you're either going to put Resurrection. Five. Nope. You well, already I'll, did five. You know what? No, I'm saying for number five. Oh, um, for number five. Yeah, Resurrection. Only because I keep, I said it before that it's a, it's a shitty Halloween movie, but it's entertaining as hell as far as being a, you know, slasher picture. All right. You know. And that- here we go. Coming in to the top four. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's not really a top four because like one and two are pretty much, at least for me, like no brainers, right? Like, yeah. okay, so number four, I am actually going to go with Halloween two. Okay. I think four would probably be H2O. Okay. Three, I'm going to do Halloween four. So third best is going to be Halloween okay. four. Yeah, we that uh, hold. Uh, totally agree with that one because okay. that's that's that that stays with the uh you know that that just stays with the tone and it, it was well done in in a lot of parts and then for my second i'm gonna do h2o and you're mm-hmm. gonna do two only i two. presume yeah yep. only two and then number one we're both gonna do rob zombies halloween two the director's cut but the uncut edited tv airline cut or not <laughs> all right so there you go so 
Best to worst, uh, top slot, we've got Halloween 78, second place. You've got Halloween 2, I've got H2O, third place. We got Halloween 10 uh, or Halloween 4, if you want to go by that kind of titling. Uh, For fourth (laughs) place, I've got Halloween 2, you've got H2O. For fifth, I've got Kills with so many asterisks after it, and you've got Resurrection. Uh, For six, we've both got H40. Seven, I've got Resurrection, you've got five. Eight, I've got five, you've got six. Nine, I've got six, you've got Kills. So pretty much hate me some Joe Chappelle. Hate him. so that that is it. That is our official thing. I'm wondering if I might try to cut together some sort of a video for the YouTube channel. I don't know. That seems if I want to like learn how to do some of that shit, I might do it. But <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. And then next season, we are going to be watching. Um, we're doing what are we doing? Poltergeist next, right? Doing poltergeist next. And since we're doing worst to best, I'm assuming that means we're going three, two, one. Yeah, we're going to start with three. <laughs> okay. So I, I might have to watch that before we record. So I have some familiarity with, uh, with yeah, that I, one. Uh, uh, Nancy Allen, right? Yeah, Nancy Allen, Tom Skerritt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heather O'Rourke. No. Heather O'Rourke. Yes, right Swan before Tom, she died. Unfortunately, yep. yeah. Sort of kicking off the hot. The, well, no, the Poltergeist curse started with the first one. So. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing that. We're, we're skipping the remake, unfortunately. I uh, I can only handle not liking a Rosemary DeWitt Sam Rockwell movie once in my life. I don't need to go through it again. I almost forgot they did that. Oh, my God. I remember fucking sitting in the theater excited for it. I was like, how can you? <laughs> you couldn't fuck it up. How could you fuck up a movie with Rosemary DeWitt as Joe Beth Williams and Sam Rockwell as Craig T. Nelson. Like, you couldn't fuck it up. All you had to do was do a straight remake. You could have done a fucking Gus Van Sant psycho, and it'd be fine, right? Like, it shouldn't didn't, be terrible. Didn't but the remake make, have uh, that god-awful Jared Harris? <laughs> probably. I don't remember. Um, that sounds right. <laughs> but they make Sam Rockwell, they give him all the shit to do that the mom had to do in the first one. And I'm like... So wait, the progressive Poltergeist sequel is to like give the woman nothing to do. That's weird. Like it is weird. So yeah, we're not doing that one. We're doing three, uh, which takes place in Chicago. So yeah, cool. Down uh, at the uh, the Hancock Building, Stone and the Water Tower, Haddonfield. So uh, yeah. So this has been season one of Seven Hundred Nine Meridian. Thanks for sticking through or listening entirely out of order. So uh, <laughs> there'll be more continuity going forward. Uh, but yeah, so cool. Halloween. See Halloween. See some that Halloween movies. Don't see yeah. all of them. <laughs> Don't see all of them. Uh, if you take our word for it, just there's only a handful of actual good ones to. You know, watch. Yeah, I think we can. Ag- I think we can pretty much agree. You can do one, two, four, seven, and eight, and just uh, you know, forget about the rest. Yeah, it's. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, the rest the, are just the rest are fodder. 
because when we hit Halloween sick H six O, and Jamie Lee Curtis is the Loomis, but retired already or whatever, like I hope this never happened. New continuity. Uh, twenty years from now, who? Whatever. I don't even want to. No, it's not even. Yeah, it's not even. And also earlier in the in the season, I I talked at length about how we should cut all these together somehow. I'm still trying to think of a way to do that. That is not a lot of work. Uh, We'll see. Mm. I need to watch like a lot of miniseries trailers, I think. Right. Like maybe cut it together like a preview for a miniseries, because then you could do like. My mommy died and my Jamie Lloyd, my mommy died type shit. And then you could do, you know, Josh Hartnett yelling at his mom. Then you could do Judy Greer yelling at his mom. And the only thing the story is, is that Laurie Strode turns into a really bad mom after two. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the rest of this story. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Thanks for listening, and we will be back uh, in approximately a week with Poltergeist 3, The Others. No, not The Other Side. Poltergeist 3 was just three. I don't even know if they had any tag for it. Okay. That's a bummer. In fact, I think the one poster I remember was the the lightning strike in the... uh, I remember that, yeah. Hancock building. It does not seem. Hold on, here we go. Sorry for the typing, but I've been doing it enough that should be expected at this point. Yes. So the poster is the little girl looking up at the Hancock Building that is covered in lightning, and oh wow, the Blu-ray cover is kind of cool. That is a fucked up Blu-ray cover. Is that weird old guy back from the second one? It's yeah, he's back, but it's not the same actor. Of course not. Why would you do that? And, uh, and oh, there's another cover. The foreign cover is kind of cool yeah, too. Seeing another one where she's at the window with his hand, but yeah, no. That's one I remember too, where she's yeah. Looks, oh, the tag is he found her. Yes, I'm seeing that on the VHS release. Poltergeist, interestingly, one of MGM UA's, if not only horror franchise yeah, big of the franchise. 80s. They're definitely a big one, but yeah, that's a bummer. I, I kind of wish that there was like a subtitle like Poltergeist 3, The Windy City. Oh, shit. This one's kind of good. What is it? There's a Prime Video poster for it. She's walking down the hall and the hands are coming up. from. That's pretty cool. Huh. Anything to at least try to make this movie look. <laughs> right. Like just a little Somewhat. bit better. Yeah. So anyway, that'll be next. We'll. uh Okay, so that's a Japanese of the new one. That's cooler than the entire new movie. Uh, wow, there's wow. one where she's looking at the TV. <laughs> that sucks. There's a double feature one where it's her just in, like, fog. Mm. Uh, well, they did it like, um, they did this a lot like uh, Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2 for a while on DVD. That was the only way you could get it mm. was on the flip disc with part two. Oh, yeah. That prime. I bet that prime video one's better than the whole movie. Just found that one. I thought it was a different one. Okay. And then here's a shot of the old man threatening Nancy Allen and and uh, Tom Skerritt. Okay. So 
It's got its uh, sort of got its genre casting bona fides, but also not really because Tom Skerritt was not just the alien guy. Nancy Allen was not just the RoboCop girl at that point, but whatever, we'll find out. They were both very much visible, like well-known kind of genre actors. She would have been closer to genre than him, but by that time he was only a couple years away from yeah uh picket fences so he was about to become a tv dad of a t- of a sort so it's like mm-hmm. yeah um and it's from 88 what else is there about it let's uh we'll do a little preview at the end now we'll start doing these two we've never done mm-hmm. that because we sort of knew exactly what we we're getting ourselves into with the other ones um <laughs> it's the same it, oh gary sherman directed it gary sherman who um well this is gonna be hard he directed dead and Al- oh okay so he directed dead and buried which i've always been curious about because it's a it was written by what's his face uh dan o'bannon he did vice squad which is very uh usa up all night he did wanted dead or alive with rutger hauer he did Poltergeist 3, and then the last thing he did before people stopped hiring him was something called Lisa, which starred Stacey oh. Keenan. That's the one, yeah. Where, that's teenager. the candlelight killer. Who that's the candlelight killer movie. <laughs> she's on the phone. Yeah, she it prank was, calls the guy. Okay. And he turns out to be a serial killer, yeah. And um it was a PG-13 horror movie, and she was actually a kid. So it was like your first attempt at sort of PG-13 horror in the theater that would make money. Because, of course, Poltergeist 1 was PG, so... And I don't think the other ones were ever anything more than PG-13, right? Mm, yeah, I think... I don't even know if... Oh, wait, yeah, Part 2, I think, was PG-13. This one's PG-13. Three. Um, yeah. Let's see. And then Brian Taggart, co-writer Brian Taggart, uh, wrote V and worked with the director on Wanted Dead or Alive. So, and he wrote Visiting Hours. So this is from the the guy who wrote Visiting Hours. Have you seen that yet? I did watch that. <laughs> it was a fucking weird movie. Um, very Canadian. Very. Canadian and Shatner's in it though. Shatner's <laughs> in it. Shatner, it makes you wish that Shatner had had more time in the early 80s to do shit like that than just TJ Hooker. Cause like yeah. you can't just watch a bunch of TJ Hooker. Like that's not, that's not okay. But you could watch a bunch of movies, right? Like that. Like, cause it's like Shatner visiting hours. We're not even talking about Poltergeist. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, Shatner could have been a John Saxon. Shatner you know? totally could have been a John Saxon. Why wasn't he a John Saxon? Right? Shatner could have been a John Saxon who was still married, as opposed to yeah. John Saxon who was always divorced. Mm-hmm. Shatner could have been married, dad cop. Saxon was a divorced dad cop. I'm not saying Shatner was a good dad, because I don't know that William Shatner could ever play a good dad. But um <laughs> uh, but you know. <laughs> you could definitely play it on TV. Uh yeah. So I th- that means that no the two guys who wrote the original had nothing to do with this one. Oh no. No. 
And neither did Amblin. No, by three, everybody sort of washed their hands of it, and it was a complete, like, MGM job. That is, that is, all right, let's see here. Connections, files, Poltergeist 2, the other side. And Poltergeist 2 took four years to come out after the first one, too. Um, it had the connection. It had the same. That was also not Amblin. Was Poltergeist 1 even actually Amblin or just produced by Spielberg? No, um, produced by Spielberg. Because I don't recall ever in any print seeing a, a Amblin thing at the end. Yeah, because '82 was pre-Amblin, right? Like yeah. Amblin's first logos, and I think Amblin can only could only ever be a, a the first time I saw the Amblin the Amblin uh, logo. Wasn't that at the end of Back to the Future? It might have been because that would have been the right time. 84 and that would have been exciting because i mean like amblin was a brand like trying to explain how amblin was a brand in the 80s you really can't like no but for four years they're starting with back to the future amblin was like a real brand that Mm -hmm. lasted sort of what 88 89 like spielberg lost a lot of goodwill on always i feel like like he put it they put it at the end of et when it was released on video. I do remember that. All right. And any more credit trivia that I want to mention? Oh, shit. Uncredited rewrite by the guy who wrote Mac and Me. Ugh. Produced by... Oh. Well, here's our connection. Produced by Barry Bernardi, who also produced... Holy shit. He produced... He was an associate producer on Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. He was an associate producer on The Fog, Halloween, uh, Escape from New York, Christine, and Starman. So basically, he was a John Carpenter producer who never went anywhere, whereas oh. Deborah Hill made it and Larry Franco made it. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh. What a setup for Poltergeist <laughs> 3, The Windy City. Uh, but oh, we'll be back we, with that. Yeah, when we get into it, I almost forgot. Uh, um, I used to be in communication on um, IMDb chat boards with who? Who's the kid who played the uh, the boyfriend? And it Heather O'Rourke's something. boyfriend, isn't that? Uh, uh, Lara oh, Flynn Boyle. Lara Boyle's in it. Oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Lara Flynn <laughs> Boyle sucks. Everyone, she's a terrible person. Kip Wentz. <laughs> Kip Wentz, good guy, Kip Wentz, because he he always had something to um like share with with the the people yeah. about um especially the alternate ending, which we'll get into when we yeah. do the movie. We gotta wait. We gotta wait. Looks like he directed yeah. a movie with Don Wells. So there you go. That's <laughs> pretty fucking cool. I've never made a movie with Don Wells. All right. Um. So yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, if you didn't want to listen to a really long version of this, you can get a shorter version of every episode the starting. Amended versions, today. yeah. Yes, the unsynced. 709 Meridian unsynced is, is coming your way. That's right. And thanks for hanging with us all season long. And that's right. Next season's coming up sooner than you think.